Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath and hello las vegas and the rest of the world wherever you may be listening this is the frittle show on kvxl experience liberty radio 101.1 fm here in vegas we're coming to you live as the man said from studio b at liberty baptist church on rainbow and lake mead boulevard in the city if you'd like to join us on sundays our services are at 9 30 and 11 15 if you'd like to be part of the show a couple ways you can do that you can email us radio at experienceliberty.com or call us at 702-647-4522 and of course you can always tweet me at the frittle on the twitter i'm also on the facebook you can find me there at The Frittle too, but I, I don't check that as much. I'm not on Facebook as much. Wall Builders. David Barton at Wall Builders put out an excellent video on the importance of the Declaration of Independence. So in continuing with our celebration of America and American Heroes Week, we're going to start with this, and then, uh, and then we'll continue. The Declaration of Independence. It's America's birth certificate. And the principles of the Declaration is what was placed into the Constitution of the United States. The Declaration formed the body, the, the basis, the foundation for our American form of government. It's unfortunate that in recent years, so many Americans no longer know anything about our documents. And that's why a number of states across the United States have passed bills to have students recite the most famous 56 words of our national birth certificate. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Fifty-six remarkable words. Louisiana decided they wanted to be one of those states that were having students learn the Declaration, so State Representative Valerie Hodges introduced a bill for students to recite that part of the Declaration. But State Representative Barbara Norton objected to that, said the Declaration is not true. She said those principles weren't true, and said, wasn't it until the time of Dr. Martin Luther King that those principles and that equality came. Time out. Dr. Martin Luther King in his I Have a Dream speech, he quoted those 56 words there in Washington, D.C. He believed those words. He believed the Declaration was true, and so did other black civil rights leaders. For example, Frederick Douglass said we should learn the Declaration, that it contained the right principles. And this man, this is Henry Highland Garnett, the first black man to officially speak in Congress. When they abolished slavery in the 13th Amendment, Congress asked him to give a sermon on that occasion. He praises the Declaration of Independence and its principles. It's interesting that black civil rights leaders for two centuries have praised the Declaration of Independence. And now we have folks today who know so little about our history that they think the Declaration is a bad document and they don't want kids to know the Declaration. This is why it's important for every single American to know the principles of the Declaration of Independence. And that was David Barton from Wall Builders on the importance of the Declaration of Independence. This is The Frittle Show, and this week we are talking about America. We're talking about what made her great, what keeps her great, and each day we're going to talk about uh, some different signers of the Declaration or of the Constitution. We'll read different things from the Declaration of Constitution 
I've been enjoying myself. Hopefully, if you've been listening, you've been enjoying it as well. If you've missed, we have a couple episodes from this week up on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you follow us there, just FYI, not every episode of the show is uploaded. So you can still tune in live. We stream live every show on kvxl101.com. And, of course, our normal KVXL programming is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year. We never stop because we are here for you. All right, so to start the show today, we are going to read part of the Constitution. We read the Declaration earlier this week, and I want to show you something. Uh, actually, it's, we're going to read the Bill of Rights, so it's a, you know our constitutional amendments, not the, not the actual Constitution as written in 1787. But you're probably familiar with at least a few of these, but I wonder if you know all of them. The United States Bill of Rights Preamble Congress of the United States begun and held at the city of New York on Wednesday the 4th of March 1789 so 1789 The conventions of a number of the states having at the time of their adopting the constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added and as extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure uh, the beneficent ends of its institution resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled two-thirds of both houses concurring that the following articles be proposed to the legislatures of the several states as amendments to the Constitution of the United States all or any of which articles when ratified by three-fourths of the said legislatures to be valid to all intents and purposes as part of the said Constitution articles in addition to an amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America proposed by Congress and ratified by the legislatures of the several states pursuant to the fifth article of of the original Constitution. All right, ready? These are the amendments. This is a text transcription from the first ten amendments to the Constitution in their original form. They were ratified on December 15, 1791, and form what we now know as the Bill of Rights. Amendment 1, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Amendment 2. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Amendment 3. No soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Amendment 4. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Amendment 5. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject to the same offense to be put twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use 
use without just compensation. Amendment 6. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Amendment 7. In suits at common law where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of the common law. Amendment 8. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Amendment 9. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. The powers... Amendment 10. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. And then, of course, we now have, have additional amendments. We have Amendments 11 uh, through 27. But these are the original 10 amendments to the Constitution, the, the, the Bill of Rights, as we call it today. And I want you to see something there. I want you to see something. This is the amendment that you probably know. The First Amendment. And you probably know the second as well. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So the very First Amendment to the United States Constitution, the very first clause in the First Amendment of the Constitution is that our government shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's the first amendment. That's the first thing our founders added was freedom of religion. Now, keep that in mind with what I'm about to read to you as a headline from earlier this week. This is from the New York Times. Russia moves to tighten counter-terror law. Rights activists see threats to freedom. This is from Moscow. Russian lawmakers adopted on Friday a set of measures that proponents said were aimed at combating terrorism, but that human rights activists condemned as an assault on freedoms of speech, privacy, and conscience. The measures passed on Friday by the State Duma, Russia's lower house of parliament, introduced a prison sentence of up to one year for failure to report a terrorist act or, un or armed mutiny in the planning stage. The lawmakers also forced cellular and internet providers to store all communications data for six months and to help security services decipher all messaging applications. The bill, which must be approved by the upper chamber and signed by President Vladimir Putin, also banned proselytizing, preaching and praying outside officially recognized religious institutions and other measures. The measures, called the Yaravona Law after their main proponent, Irina Yaravona, were uh, put forward as a reaction to the October bombing of a Russian passenger jet over the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, which killed all 224 people aboard. But leading Russian human rights activists said the authorities were using the air disaster as a pretext for an assault on basic freedoms. Tanya Lakshina, the Russia program director for Human, human Rights Watch, called the bill a set of legislative amendments that severely undermine freedom of expression, freedom of conscience, and the right to privacy. Russian communications companies complained that the new legislation would force them to spend billions of dollars to build the infrastructure to store the messages, while religious organizations said the amendments could bar them from conducting services and other events outside their religious buildings. In its initial form, the legislation was even harsher, allowing the government to strip Russians of their citizenship 
if convicted of committing a terrorist act, serving in a foreign army, or working for a foreign security service or court. Let me read that one phrase in there to you again. The bill, which must still be approved by the upper chamber and then signed by President Vladimir Putin, also banned proselytizing, preaching, and praying outside officially recognized religious institutions, among other measures. No preaching or praying outside of officially recognized religious institutions. So there are two major problems there. First, Russians will be forbidden to preach or to pray in public at all, period, ever, the end. And you know, when when people talk of banning Islam or any other religion in the United States, this is the part that we often miss. If you ban one religion, if you react to one religion and say they may not have any religious freedom, you will inevitably hurt every religion. If there are to be zero public displays of faith, that doesn't mean just this religion can't display their faith. No, it also means neither can this one. That means that no one will be handing out a track. That means no one will be mentioning Jesus in public. That means no praying with or for someone, no hospital visitation, no door knocking, no church picnics, no Bible clubs, no promise keepers or any other event like that. None of the many things that we take for granted because we've never experienced them. For many of us, we've never even thought of, really thought of, our freedom of religion. But secondly here, you have a ban on preaching or praying outside of an officially recognized religious institution. That gives the government 100% authority over religion itself. So, first, your church must be approved by the government. And by the way, if the government approves churches, it can also reject them. And if you want to meet or worship or do anything whatsoever of a religious nature, the only place you may do so is inside a government-approved place of worship. So what does that mean? That means you may not pray in your own house. You may not teach your children the Bible in your house. Do you see the problem? It's not, it's not just not in public. It's If it's outside of a building that we've approved, that you teach and believe and, and talk about things that we say are okay, that's not religious freedom. And it's a reaction... And really an understandable and seemingly reasonable one to terrorism. But the problem is we, we, we are judging all religions equally. And in our politically correct culture, this is what will happen. Until we recognize that it is radical Islam and only Islam that is beheading people and blowing people up and burning people alive and drowning people alive and doing all of these horrible, horrible things on a mass scale, that is the problem. The problem isn't Buddhists or Hindus or Mormons or evangelicals. You just, you don't see those headlines. Or at least I haven't. If I'm wrong, send them to me. But you, when you paint with a broad stroke, when everything has to be politically correct then we have to treat all religions equally, even though all religions are not by any means created equal. 
So this isn't just something that's happening with underground churches in China anymore. This is happening again now in Russia. And if we're not careful, this will come here to the United States. But the most fundamental of our rights, the very first of American rights set forth in our Bill of Rights, is the freedom of religion. And if we ban you because of your religion, we'll soon ban your neighbor because of their religion, and eventually we'll end up with a broad-stroke rule like Russia's. Do you know the name Martin Niemöller? You may not know his name, but you probably know the saying that he was famous for. Martin Niemöller was a prominent Protestant pastor who emerged as an outspoken public foe of Adolf Hitler and spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in concentration camps. He said this, which you probably know or you know some variation of this quote. He said, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jew, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. That quotation stems from Niemöller's lectures during the early post-war period. And there are different versions of that quote out there. Uh, he gave many different uh, speeches and lectures over the years, and so that's where people think that the differing quotes came from. Sometimes there's uh, ca- Catholics thrown in there, Jehovah's Witness or Communist or Socialist, depending on which version you're reading. But the point, regardless of which wording is used, is the same. His point was that the Germans, in particular, he believed that the leaders of Protestant churches, that Christians, had been complicit through their silence in the Nazi imprisonment, persecution, and murder of millions of people. Complicit through their silence. See, we've been given a gift, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, during our segment where we read part of um, If You Can Keep It, Eric Metaxas' new book, which we're going to give away tomorrow on the show, If You Can Keep It, an excellent book. We have been given a gift. We have been given a sacred trust. America is not invincible. She must be guarded and protected and preserved because America is an idea. And when we see evil in our land, when we see violations to the founders' intents, shrouded in the supposed cloak of progress, that's when we have a choice to make. We can be complicit through our silence, or we can take a stand. And ironically... We won't make any real progress until we're willing to take that stand, unless we are willing to stand up and speak out and risk the shame of doing so, unless we're willing to stand up and risk losing everything, then we're guaranteed to eventually lose everything because the day will come when they will come for you. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. All right, we're going to take a break. We are going to play America the beautiful from Lexi Walker when we get back we are going to have American combat veteran Andrew Lewis friend of mine from Pennsylvania who also ran for uh, state senate in Pennsylvania this past primary he's going to be joining us to talk more about America what's made her great what keeps her great what makes her great again so don't go away it's going to be great remember you can stream us online kvxl101.com we'll be back in just a few minutes
And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1. I was going to say .com, but that's that's not it. It's .1 FM. And we are working on getting my friend Andrew Lewis on the line. We're having some uh, phone issues here today, so hopefully we'll be able to get him with us here in just a few minutes. Not sure what's going on there, but in the meantime, let me tell you this. Here's some good news from the United States. Our oil reserves here in the U.S. have now surpassed those of Saudi Arabia and Russia. That's pretty cool, right? I think it is. The U.S. now holds more... This is from uh, FT.com. The U.S. holds more oil reserves than Saudi Arabia and Russia, the first time it has surpassed those held by the world's biggest exporting nations, according to a new study. Reisted Energy estimates recoverable oil in the U.S. from existing fields, discoveries, and yet undiscovered areas amounts to 264 BN barrels. Okay. So this is a terrible thing to say live on the air, but I have no idea what BN stands for when it comes to oil. The figure surpasses Saudi Arabia's 212 BN and Russia's 256 BN in reserves. The important thing is that we have the most. The analysis of 60,000 fields worldwide conducted over a three-year period by the Oslo-based group shows total global oil reserves at 2.1 TN barrels. So I'm wondering if maybe BN is billion and TN is trillion. That would make sense. This is 70 times the current production rate of about 30, I'm going to go with billion, barrels of crude oil a year, Reisted Energy said on Monday. Recoverable reserves, those barrels that are technologically and economically feasible to extract, are analyzed by the energy industry to determine company valuations and the long-term health of an oil-producing nation's economy. Conventional oil producers, such as Saudi Arabia, have traditionally used their huge resources their huge resource riches to wield power globally, particularly among big consumer countries such as the U.S., but this relationship has been disrupted in recent years by hydraulic fracturing and other new technologies that have helped the U.S. unlock vast reserves and enabled it to become more energy independent. This is fantastic news. The sooner that we become energy independent, the better off we will be. We are well on our way there, and if we open up more fracking, especially in the in the oil-rich areas of, of Pennsylvania and upstate New York, the more that we drill here, the less that we're dependent on foreign lands, the less political influence they have over us. This this is fantastic news. You know, and it's we hear about all the bad things. We hear about everything horrible that's happening in our world today and in the U.S. today. And that's why this week we're just talking about good things in our country and about American greatness because it's not just a matter of making America great again. That's a fun thing to say but we we have to remember how blessed we already are and like I talked about extensively on Monday, we have to remember why we have those blessings. Alright, I think we've got Andy coming in here now. Hang on one second. Let's see if this is him. Mr. Lewis, is that you? Hi, Crystal. How's it going? It's going well. You are you're live on the air. Oh, hey, everybody. Good <laughs> to be on the air. <laughs> Sorry, I originally uh, had you in a break, but then uh, had to come back. So we were just talking about oil and how we now have more reserves in the United States than in Saudi Arabia and Russia. How awesome is that? Yes. It's amazing. Yeah, we are going to be the top oil producer in the world. It's great. Because of fracking, which is something that happens you know, pretty regularly in Pennsylvania. Something needs to happen more, I think, in Pennsylvania. But, you know, 
Yes, Steps in the right direction. So if I had gotten you during the break, I would have asked you how you wanted to be introduced. But uh, since we didn't, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> sure. This is this is pretty cool. So it's just um, I'm Andrew Lewis, uh, local business owner here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, was in the military for 10 years and just want to contribute to the community as best as I can. I've dabbled in politics. I did make a run for the state senate. This last cycle narrowly lost the primary. Probably you didn't have me on your show earlier, Crystal. Probably, <laughs> probably. Have, uh... <laughs> you probably would have you would have swept the whole thing. That would have given us a landslide victory there. It but definitely... no, it was a couple hundred votes, uh, but but it was an awesome experience and just uh, meeting so many people. We knocked on thousands of doors and and just learned a lot about the community, and it's been fantastic. So right now, I'm I'm working to continue to uh, help the community by creating jobs in a small business. And uh, it's going great. In the meantime, I help out like with Chamber of Commerce and Government Relations Committee and uh, veterans organizations, things like that, and the Republican Party. So other than that, just uh, rocking and rolling, raising a young family here in central Pennsylvania. I have three boys, and my wife and I have married almost eight years. So life is good. Yeah, basically you're just a, an American's American. An all-American person, that's right. An all-American, all-American person. Guy. Yes. Yeah, we don't even have right. to say guy. We can just keep it gender neutral. That would be yeah. fine. Perfect. Yeah. I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> no. I, I just want to be 100%. You know. Just an all-American person. But uh, right. so this week we're doing, as obviously it was the 4th of July this week, so on my show this week we're talking all about America, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, our founding fathers, awesome. all kinds yeah. of fun stuff. This is like my favorite mm-hmm. week of the year because I love these things and I love America. Oh, this is great. So, but I and we're also doing a thing where all all of our guests this week uh, are uh, veterans and military heroes. So I want to thank oh, cool. you first off for your service, and I just wanted to talk with you because obviously you know you spent ten years. Uh, you were in the army, is that correct? Mm-hmm. That so you spent correct. ten years in the army, and you know we we hear a lot today about how we need to make America great again, how America is going down the tubes. Blah 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 blah, and mm-hmm. and there it's n- it's not that there's not truth to what's being said there, but I think mm-hmm. when you get a more global perspective, when you take a step back for a minute, when you've seen other places and other things, and and I know yeah. you've done some tours of duty. From what you've seen around the world, how does America compare on a global scale? Yeah, so we are by far, and I agree. There's a lot of improvement we can make um, with with our economy, with our society. A lot of things we can do. Um, both politically and in our community, to make the country better. But we are, by and large, the best country on the face of the earth. Um, I've lived in many different countries. Now I was in Central America during my teenage years in the mission field. I've served in uh, Asia, in the Middle East. I've been to Europe. I've been to Africa. And um, by far, the United States is the greatest nation in the world. It has the most opportunity of any other country in the world. You can come here, and no matter who you are, <clears throat> or what your background is, or what you know, family you're from, or whatever the case is, you can really, um, really write your own ticket in the United States. And I know a lot of people struggle with various obstacles, but in a large sense, you can really uh, get ahead here in this country and have a bright future, regardless of who you are. There's just uh, remarkable opportunities here in this country. Yeah, exactly. And what is it that you think? is it that made America great in the first place? And what is it that, that keeps her great, if you will? Why are we still yeah. the best nation on earth, despite our many issues? Yep. So this concept of freedom is just, 
it's unprecedented. If you look at historically the for generations how the European countries and other countries kind of um, operated, where the government would give you certain freedoms and then the government would take those freedoms away, and your destiny was kind of determined by your past and by you know uh, your your ancestors and everything else. This future was written long before your grandfather was even born. Mm. You didn't really have a choice in, in your destiny in life. But in this country, we really turned that paradigm on its head, and we said, no, all men are created equal. They're endowed not by government, but by their creator. It's certain unalienable rights. And government's sole job is to protect those liberties. And we are the first country that did that. In our founding document, this was unprecedented, and it was transformational. Mm-hmm. And so we, we set up this system of government that ensured separation of powers, that ensured limited government, but whose entire purpose was to protect individual liberties as given by God. And that sets us apart. Is, you know, I believe there is a strong uh, moral fiber to the creation of a country brought about by God-fearing uh, men and women who created you know, the United States. Sure. I think that's been very helpful because it formed a strong moral basis. And then in addition to that, like I said, you have just the freedoms that have been given by God, not by government, and mm-hmm. a government created solely to protect them. And I think that set us on a course for being an exceptional nation as we are today. Oh, I agree. I think that because our founders built such a strong foundation, that's what the rest of our country has been able to, to lay brick after brick upon. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. it seems like a lot of people are, are taking a sledgehammer to that foundation. But it's, a, it's, pretty, yeah. it's pretty solid. So I think, I think we'll, we'll, we're, still, we're still okay for a little while longer, as long as there we're, are people willing to yeah. stand up and fight for that foundation. So um, yeah. did you have, do you have, I think we've actually had this conversation before, so I think I know the answer, but do you have a favorite founding father? But I would say... Um, you know, Madison is high up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of the authors of the Federalist Papers. He was just a phenomenal uh, force in the founding and in the, in the, the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. But I've got to say, uh, probably Washington. And Washington, he he trumps them all for me. He's <laughs> <Not to laughs> Trump. He kind of he. I, I feel like he's my favorite, and the reason is he gave up power for the mm. sake of preserving the ideal of limited government. You know, like he could have served a lifetime as president, right. but he stepped aside after eight years. He, after the Revolutionary War, he could have waltzed in and been, you know, crowned emperor if he wanted, but, but he came in and he handed his sword back to the Congress to signify that we had a civilian rule, not a military rule. I mean, this guy was not one of these people who just wants more and more power, as we see in all too often today. He was somebody who gave up power that he could have had, for the sake of the future of the country, and that's what makes Washington my favorite founding father. Yeah, that that's an excellent answer, and I love how you answer that question, which is why I asked it. Boom. <laughs> 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 Great. All right, so one more question for you here, and you can take as sure. long or as short as you would like to answer it because this it's is great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a story, if you will of some of the American heroes that you served alongside overseas and what it is that you love about uh, our military and those who, who serve our country. Uh, absolutely. So um, one thing, you a lot of times you'll see in the news a military member did something wrong or they violated right. certain rules or whatever. Sure. So it just gives a lot of us a bad name in the military. But I will say that serving in Iraq uh, for 15 months in a combat unit on the front lines, going outside of the wire multiple times, 
I, I feel like I surf with some of the best people I've ever met and people who really love the country, people who are very smart, people who abided by the rules, treated, um, you know, the civilian population with dignity and respect. For instance, we were on this mission, one of the first missions I was in um, outside of Ramadi, our, our our platoon was on this tiny little like outpost. It was a cement factory that was converted into a little outpost. We had like one hot meal a day. The rest of it was meals ready to eat or care packages. But we were in this remote area outside of Ramadi. And one of the first missions I was on, I was a machine gunner, and our job was to go out into the village. Um, we were going to do a patrol to, to make sure no hostiles were in the area. Mm-hmm. Then we were going to stop in a certain village and pick up our battalion commander and take him to go meet with a local sheikh, who's a you know a tribal leader. Mm-hmm. And so we get our patrol. We're all good to go. It's one of my first missions out. And I'm up on the gun, and I'm maintaining 360 security. And this family came up and brought with them a little girl. This little girl was about two years old. She had been injured severely. I guess there was an accident with some boiling water. It had burned her back. Her mm. life was in danger. And so here we are. We're in a combat mission with combat troops. We're ready for hospitals, and we're about to pick up our battalion standard. And we literally dropped everything, and we radioed in, and we said, hey, we need to take this little girl to the hospital. And the um, Tactical Operations Center radioed back, said, no, right now we don't do that. We don't bring um, just civilians into the military hospital. We can't. At this time, we're against policy. And so we fought for a while. said, hey, she is going to die if we don't get her to a hospital. And our medic and lieutenant went back and forth, and it's just that finally... Our battalion commander showed up, and he said, no, we're taking her to the hospital. Abort this mission. Isolate your shake later. Get this little girl to the hospital. And our entire platoon dropped our mission and took that two-year-old girl to the hospital where her life was saved. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, just was one of my first impressions of being in combat was, the, you know, the sanctity of life and the importance of protecting human life. And this little girl who we didn't know, and we had, you know, there was, it wasn't a combat-related injury or anything like that. It was literally someone who needed help, and we dropped what we were doing, dropped, you know, even the battalion commander stepped aside, and we brought her to the hospital. And I feel like that's just one tiny story of just the greatness of our military, which then embodies how great we are as a country. Exactly, exactly. That is what makes uh, America great. You know, our, our, our military is strong, but also our people and the values that we have and the way that we do value life and how the founders instilled that from the very beginning. Life is Absolutely. the number one thing and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And obviously with that little girl, you know, her, her life is in danger. There's no point in preserving her country for her if she's not going to be there to enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I think, you know, while that's a great story, I think that is just one of, of thousands of stories that we could yeah. share like that if we were able to interview everyone that's ever served. And I think those yeah. are the stories that people need to hear. So thank you for, for being here. Thank you for being willing to share that story. And I, I changed my mind. I'm actually going to ask you about one more thing because this is another <laughs> conversation awesome. that we've had before. And I was looking through my, my notes here while you were sharing your story because I do that multitasking yeah. thing sometimes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, have you I heard of that? For the life Okay. I can only do one thing at once. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because I know you lived in Washington, D.C. for uh, for a little That's while right. and uh, yes. did some very cool things there. I actually was able to see the Oval Office 
because of uh, Andrew Lewis. So I I have great (laughs) great respect and appreciation for this man. But uh, anyway, while uh, while you were there, we had this conversation before, and it's coming up again now. I just saw this headline that uh, there's a big push again now to make D.C. the 51st state, and uh, the name New Columbia is being thrown around, Anacostia, Douglas Commonwealth, the Potomac. And, you know, I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, yeah, cool, we'll have a 51st state. But there's a reason that Washington, D.C. is not currently a state and why our founders didn't want it to be a state. Right. Why things left Philadelphia. Otherwise, I mean, Pennsylvania, we'd just be rocking out in my homeland there with you and we would be the (laughs) capital. But they moved it on purpose. So tell us why this is not a good idea based on what our founders uh, did back in the day. Yeah, it's really not because Washington, D.C. is a neutral area. Right. There, this is where other states can just come in, and it's just a neutral, it's a non-state. And I thought it was made like that very intentionally, because if you have a state that, has, that um, hosts the capital, you're going to have kind of this um, bias for the state. You're gonna, there's a very neutral, and, and Crystal, you can talk a little more to the history, but I will say... There's, a, there's these license plates in D.C. that say taxation without representation. Oh, and I understand the sentiment that they don't have a voting representative, <laughs> but there's yes. a reason. Washington, D.C. was not designed to be a state. It's designed to be a host to representatives from across the country who come into run the nation's business. And so when you have this, this movement of foot, even supported by city council members and politicians, it's like, you guys not know your own history. Right. Like, it's not meant to be certain state. It's supposed to just be kind of a neutral enclave, if you will, where people from around the country come in a neutral spot to solve and, and, and work on the nation's business. Right. You would think at some point, like, we would take a step back and go, oh, Washington, has D.C. has existed for, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. 200 years without being a state. I yep. wonder why. Like, exactly. okay, it's, it's not something that we just suddenly realized, oh, my goodness, why have we never? Yeah. No, it's the founders that on purpose are like, yeah, no, Pennsylvania, sorry. You know, we people in Virginia and Maryland and Delaware and New York, you're not going to get the capital because, no, we're not letting you have that power over the rest of us. So we're going to pick this, right. basically this swampland area that nobody wants, and that yeah. will be our capital so that no one can claim it and say they have the nation's capital in their state. So yeah. that's, that's you know, yeah. my modified historical, I, um, I don't know. I, 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 analysis. Yes, and I like analysis. It. Exactly. You're Thank you. Right, no, you're exactly right. The thing is, this is a neutral spot. The nation's capital belongs to us all, whether you're from California or Ohio right. or Idaho or North Dakota. But Washington, D.C. belongs to you because it's the nation's capital. So if you make it a state, well, now it's a certain state with a governor. I mean, it's just that's the most ridiculous idea I've heard of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it would it would basically be like, okay, I love Texans and I love Texas. Texas is an amazing place. But you know how oh, anytime yeah. you meet a Texan, they are like, I am a Texan, and Texas is like their whole thing, and yeah, and that's yeah. it. That I feel like you would have that times infinity if we made Washington D.C. a state. <laughs> like you think corruption is bad in D.C. now? Wait until yeah. they're a state. Oh man, I can see that. And that, it, again, you don't need your own sub. You don't need your own like culture of bureaucracy. Right. You to one state in the country. I mean, come on, that's it's just not a good idea. No, it's not. <laughs> Thank you for, for helping me rant on that for, for a minute there. I appreciate oh, I, it. <laughs> I'm always a, I'm always good to rant on the DC concept. <laughs>
All right. Well, we have to take a break. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna end the show in just a minute here. So, Andy, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for our ser- your service to our country, and uh, wish you all the best in your future endeavors. I still anticipate coming to visit you in the White House at some point in the future when you actually live there. So, you know, don't don't let me down, okay? Because that's you're my only hope, really, for getting into the White House again. So, I'm counting on you. Okay, well, we'll make that happen one way or another. I may be a low-level flapper up there, but uh, we'll get you in. All right. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Andy. So Tell your family I said hello. I sure will. All right. We'll yeah. talk to you later. Everyone else, that was uh, my friend Andrew Lewis in Pennsylvania, a great American, great American hero. And uh, seriously, you can go like him on Facebook at Andrew Lewis. You'll see, I believe he still has a, uh, a public page up there from his last campaign. But if he is not in the White House at some point in the future, I will be disappointed. Because once upon a time, when we were like, I think I was like 17, he was maybe, I don't know how much younger than he was, probably 15, maybe 16 at the time. One of us was going to be president and somebody was going to be vice president. I'm all cool with being vice president for him. I don't know if that if that arrangement still, you know, is a possibility. Um because there's so much audio of me talking and things that people can tear apart and make ads out of. But who knows? If Trump and Hillary can run for president, if Barack Obama can be president, it anything is possible. I'm just I'm not I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying if 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 you want to be president someday, I don't think there is anyone who would be able to tell you that that is not a possibility. I remember one time my uh, my youngest sister, Anna, who's here with me for the summer, she asked me, she said, why don't you run for president someday? And I said, oh, I can't, I can't run for president. I'm not near smart enough. I don't, I wouldn't be able to do that. And she was like, so what you're saying is you think that President Obama is smart. So there you go. Out of the mouth of babes, right? She was like eight at the time. And I just kind of stood there and looked at her, not knowing what to say. And you might not either. If you think you're not smart enough to run for president or any other political office, if you think that you're not smart enough to get involved or you don't know enough to get involved, then what you are in essence saying is that the people that are currently serving in whatever office that you think you're not, you know, good enough for, then you're saying that you think that they are. So think about that one. Politics isn't something that we should put aside and shun and think that that's not something we need to be involved in. No, if we want to change what's happening, then we have to be involved. It starts with voting. Be sure you're registered and ready to vote in in, in the general election and primary elections. And then from there, be ready to step up and serve if the opportunity presents itself and you feel called to do so. All right, we're going to end the day with Let Freedom Ring from the Gaither Vocal Band. Hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. You can catch us live here on 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio at uh, 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. Or you can always find us on out from yeah iTunes and SoundCloud. Just put The Frittle Show in whatever search bar it is that you happen to have, and boom, voila, you're there. You can get past episodes of the show. Our 4th of July show is pretty good. One of my favorites. You can go check that out on iTunes SoundCloud. 
And remember, you can stream us online, kvxl101.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks to those of you listening on the405media.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Here's Let Freedom Ring. Have a great day, everyone.